welcome back to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast, the podcast about a couple of working musicians just trying to get by in this uh, this weird, weird time we find ourselves in. My name is Al Rowe. I'm a record producer, mixer, acoustic guitarist, vocalist, uh, teacher, a bunch of other things probably. I'm uh, coming to you from the beaches in Toronto, Ontario. My co-host, Michael Hebs, is not with us this week. He is in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, probably with no internet, and he's uh, he's just getting ready to uh, to start rehearsals on the cruise ship. So I know it's a very, very hectic time right now. So uh, unfortunately, he's not with us this week, but we do have a very f- special guest joining us uh, on the line here, all the way from Singhampton, Ontario, a couple hours drive north of Toronto. Uh, we have... Uh, we have a special guest, Adam Fair. He is a recording and mixing engineer and co-founder of Villa Sound, which is a recording studio in Singhampton, Ontario. Adam has worked with numerous Juno and Grammy-nominated artists, including Valley, Ollie Ride, Shawnee, Kate Todd, Joey Landreth, Eric Shankman, Parallels, Kim Mitchell, Pablo Caputo, and many more adam welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking the time to be here man yeah no problem thanks for having me my pleasure um yeah why why don't we start with um uh just sort of how things have been going this is i ask the same question everybody comes on but it's like (laughs) how are things going for you right now right currently right now and how has the pandemic affected you not affected you how have you weathered the storm as a as a mu- uh, a music person in uh, yeah. in this this industry, yeah, uh, yeah. At the moment, it's it's going pretty well. Um, for the for the last few months, actually, it's been going pretty well. We weren't affected like too crazy because uh, recording studios are actually an essential service. Um, surprisingly enough, they just kind of put them all in with media, like radio stations, post production houses, all that stuff. So. Yeah, the last little while has been uh, has been pretty good. In the very beginning, like everybody else, you know, it was a bit hectic. Didn't really know what was going on. Uh, lost a couple months of work or whatever back in March. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have too much to complain about. Um, yeah, we've been doing okay. It's not too bad. Nice. Have you had to adjust your approach or the way that you? you know, provide services like if for people that don't know, and we're going to obviously get into this, but like Villa is a big studio. I would consider it to be a, a big studio from the studios that I've been to. So there's plenty of space to social distance. You can close glass doors. You can put up screens. People can wear masks. It can work. But have you had to do stuff like audio movers? I know it's like a big thing a lot of people are using right now. Have you had to sort of adjust to make things work? A little bit. I haven't used, uh, I haven't, I, yeah, I know a lot of people are using audio movers and stuff like that. I haven't really had to do much of that stuff. Um, we've been able to still have fairly normal sessions. I haven't done like a really big group session in a long time, like where there's maybe six or seven people here. But you can safely have like three to four people here usually. Uh, like you said, it's a pretty big place. It's about 2,000 square feet and there's there's isolation booths where you're literally isolated. So uh, you're okay when you're in there. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it hasn't been too different for me other than slightly smaller gatherings. And also people are a little bit hesitant sometimes about coming, which is totally understandable. Um, so yeah, naturally things are going to be a little bit different just because of that. Uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, 
again, it's been pretty decent, not too crazy different from how it was before. Yeah, I remember coming in to do the Lance Dobinson projects, and I think that that was, I want to yep. say like June or July maybe of, of last year, 2020. Yeah. That, and I mean, we're right in the thick of it and, and it was total, totally comfy, put a mask on. I was in a little booth playing acoustic. I think it was just you and myself and, and Lance there. And it was, it yep. was totally cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's pretty, it's pretty chill. Like, uh, you know, there's the, the control room's comfortable enough for like two to three people with masks on and stuff. And then anybody else would be in the booth. Like you're in the booth behind me there. Um, which is obviously you're in a booth, so you're isolated. You can kind of do your thing in there. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cozy. Mm-hmm. And then we have like the big area out here with, there's like a lot of space out there. So people will just hang out there, which is better for me anyways. I prefer when people are not necessarily like chatting back on the couch or all the time, you know, while I'm trying to work. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, one of the things that struck me is, you know, just meeting you and working with you. I mean, for people that don't know you, like Adam is a super professional, super easy to work with, super talented mixing engineer, recording engineer. Everything's just like, it's all set up. It's all good to go. Like as soon as I'm, you know, I'm sitting down with a guitar or whatever. And I mean, not only, uh, you know, not only that, um, but the gear the gear at your studio man it blows my mind and it's just like you got a great collection of instruments as well i remember there was another uh there's a big black acoustic guitar i can't remember the the brand yeah. of it or the model uh, but gibson j200 1971 i think it's a beauty that was like man did that ever sound good that's probably the biggest in size like acoustic guitar i've ever played <laughs> it's bigger than mine in my eyes i already thought it was pretty huge but yeah. you know, so you know, super pro, so, and, and definitely on par with any of the, the Toronto studios in terms of gear, in terms of setup, isolation, sound quality. Uh, and I don't know this to be true, but I feel like you and I are of a similar age. I'm I'm turning 33 in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, me too, man. Well, August. There you go. 33. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you know, it, it just it really blew me away to walk into a place of the quality uh, and professionalism that you have at Villa and see somebody around the same age as myself, you know, yeah, this is my place. <laughs> I run this place and this is right, what right. I do for a living. It's like, holy smokes. So I, I, I'm so excited to have you here just to talk about your path and how you've uh, gotten to where you've gotten to because it, it, I think it's amazing. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people listening would, would, you know, benefit a lot and would love to hear about <laughs> sort of your journey um so i i wanted to just take it from the um from the beginning but maybe if you could give i I guess we've already touched on a little bit but if you could give folks just an idea of what villa sound is uh you're in singhampton ontario which is kind of in the collingwood ish area am i right about that yeah it's about 20 minutes south of collingwood yep yeah and what do you offer? Like, I mean, you're a fully fledged recording studio, but like, what, what, what can you give people sort of a, I don't know, a sales pitch, maybe, if you will, <laughs> about like, what is Villa about and what do you guys do over there? Sure. Yeah. We're basically a, a recording studio, but um, I'd say what makes us a little bit more unique is the location. As you mentioned, we're about, it's about an hour and a half from Toronto, uh, depending on where you are in the city, maybe two hours. But um, yeah, it's somewhat of a destination studio. People are welcome to stay here. We do have areas that they can stay. 
Um, we are, we're also unique in the sense, which you already uh, mentioned there, that we have a large collection of instruments. So um, some studios will generally have like a few instruments for sure, some good stuff on hand. But uh, yeah, we have like a vast collection, like over 40 uh, guitars and a lot of different keyboards and uh, amplifiers and stuff like that too. So that's one of the that's one of the reasons people definitely like coming here. Um, but yeah, we basically do uh, you know and, um, recording, mixing. Um, don't like I do mastering sometimes, but I, I usually will get somebody else who's like a proper guy. Like uh, I use Noah Mintz a lot in Toronto. He's kind of my go-to guy. But um, yeah, and and, and I and um, I find that I work a lot with with artists helping to like develop them. Um, that just sort of happened naturally where people would come here. And I think because it's like a pretty creative space, they can get comfortable. We can uh, we can really, you know, get down to it and, and, and work on stuff together and sort of, yeah, help them develop as well as recording and mixing their stuff. Yeah, right on. Um, and I mean, yeah, like I can I can I can definitely verify all that. The, the instrument collection is is just incredible. Do you find that you have uh, you have that often where folks will come in and stay for multiple days and really dig into a project and really feel like they can not worry too too much i mean like i know if, if i if i booked like three days at metalworks i'd be like remortgaging my house you know what i mean like but do people feel like they can sort of come in and and dig yeah. into a project and and not like worry too too much on that side of things yeah well one of the benefits about like that was kind of what we wanted to do when we when we got this place and that was one of the reasons that we moved out here was to sort of create that solid environment, but then also, you know, we don't have the crazy Toronto like prices prices to deal with, so we can offer like competitive rates to somewhere like Metalworks because just simply because of like the location of Metalworks, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, to to book three days here wouldn't uh, wouldn't hit you quite as hard as it might at some of the other bigger studios. Yeah. I, I think there's like a real magic that that doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, you you understand why? Because stuff's expensive and yeah. and you know labels aren't paying for things anymore. But there's a certain magic of like getting in the studio for a week and really just digging into a project and isolating yourself and and being in that environment that's so um, so wonderful. And like yeah, I, I every time I'm in a studio, I'm like I I could I could I could be here all week. Like I, I yeah. Wish, I wish it wasn't a four-hour block. You know? <laughs> it's super yeah. valuable if you can get people in for like, you know, maybe three days because then you have that one day in the middle where they kind of went to bed and and uh, woke up at the studio. So there's no like, oh, I got to get gas. I got to get to the studio. I got to go like grocery shopping. Like I got to, there's none of that. Like you, you get there the one day, you work, then you go to bed, wake up, have like a full solid day. And then, you know, next day you Mm -hmm. leave or whatever. So if you can get three days in in a row, that's uh, that's pretty awesome for the creativity aspect of it on that on that second day, especially when there's no other worries at all other than the project. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And just clearing it that the noise that, yeah, we've all got going on in our brains of of all the the stuff we got to deal with and just sort of be separating from that somehow is like not easy. uh, That's the way to do it. Right. Um, so, and of course, you know, you're fully equipped to track like 
a full full on live band, everybody at the same time. This is all goes without saying, hopefully to people listening, like when it's safe to do so. But like you could track, you know, uh, I imagine you could get a horn section in there. You could do all kinds of like, oh yeah, yeah. We've st- had stuff. Yeah, we've we have lots of inputs and preamps and all that kind of stuff. There's no shortage of that stuff. Um, yeah, we've we've tracked like large, maybe I think like. I've done up to like eight uh, eight guys at the same time, like in an eight eight piece band, all playing live together with yeah. isolation and stuff like that. So, yeah, we definitely are equipped to do that and have the space as well. Perfect. Yeah, another thing that that gets lost, and you know, nowadays with people just doing stuff from home, which is what you got to do, but you know, sending sending your track to the next person to put their track and sending the next person, you, you there's definitely a little bit of a little bit of vibe, a little bit of magic that, that gets lost. Or sometimes, like, entire parts or hooks for songs that you would never have come up with, you know, those those can get those can happen right on the studio floor because everybody's together, and it's like, well, what if we change oh, the groove yeah, to yeah. this? Or, like, what if I... Well, yeah, this? we were just you working... Know, um, I was just working the other day on a, on a project with an artist, and we had Doug Johnson in, who's, like, an incredible pedal steel player. Um and he's oh, just—he's yeah. one of these guys who will kind of like never play the same thing twice because he's just you know he's just the creativity just like flows through him. So yeah, like like you just said, he was playing a part, and uh, it was actually Matt who we both know who caught uh, this one little thing that Doug played and was like whoa 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 like what was that what was that and you know went back and that one little thing ended up becoming like the main hook of the chorus. So had Doug been doing that at home, you know it would have been still awesome, but we wouldn't have had that that one little hook that he did there because at that, then we like worked on it and put it everywhere and, and sort of, you know, yeah. Yeah. Nurtured it. So yeah, you definitely lose, you lose that when, uh, when you're doing everything, you know, through email and stuff, but it's still good. You can make it good both ways. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But, but there's really something to that, to everybody being there together that, uh, that's so awesome that you guys can offer that. Um, so, Okay, so let, let we know what Villa's about. Um, what about yourself? Uh, are you from Singhampton originally? I am not. I was born and raised in Ajax, Ontario. Oh, right on. Nice. Very close to Michael. And yeah, Mike Mike's from Whippy. And I guess Matt is also was from Whippy or Oshawa area? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he must have been because uh, we went, although we didn't know each other at the time, we took a uh, we took lessons from the same drum teacher back uh, like a long time ago, way before I even met Matt. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I grew up in Port Union, which is just like on the border of Pickering on the 401. So yep. not too far from from you as well. So you're a drummer originally. Yeah, originally, yeah. That was how I, I sort of, well, I mean, I played a lot of stuff like, like a lot of kids. I played piano. And then in school, I played trumpet um, all through school, like grades seven till... I forget when I stopped like 10 or something like that. And, uh, but I was, yeah, I got into drums when I was like, when I was pretty young, I think I was, I bought a kit when I was like 14 years old. It was like one of the first things I ever bought for myself. Who got you into that? What, what made, what made you decide I want to spend a bunch of money on a drum set? Yeah. I was always pretty into, uh, into the idea of drumming. I hadn't actually like really done it before. And then um, I actually met when I was 14 years old, I was working at a, at a local grocery store in town and I met, um, I met a few people actually who I didn't realize were going to kind of like send my life in a whole different uh, trajectory. And, and one of those guys who's still a great friend of mine, actually 
both of the guys who I met were uh, drummers. And so all of a sudden I was, I was hanging out with like these two guys that were drummers and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Uh, so, so yeah, I just got into it and I bought, and I bought myself a kit and, uh, yeah. And then I just started learning. Like when I get into something, I get pretty like obsessed with it. So that was kind of all I did for a little while was drum. Um, but yeah, it was, it was from there that I sort of got into recording which is a whole other story that we can go into if you want. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so these these friends of yours, were they in bands? Were you going out and watching their shows? Were you, like, hanging out at their house and jamming? Like, how did that sort of happen? Yeah, so the, so the one guy in particular who, who – this is sort of how I got into recording initially. He was – he had his own thing. It was really just him, and it was, uh, it was like, electronic, kind of Nine Inch Nails, skinny puppy kind of music. And he had a studio – at his parents' place in the back garage. Um, so at the time, I was pretty young. I think I was like 14. And these guys were a bit older than me. They were like 17 and 18, which is kind of like weird why they would want to hang out with me now looking back on that, but glad they did. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I went over to this one guy's house in particular, uh, and he was showing me his setup. He had like an old computer, and he had Cubase, and he had like all these keyboards, and I was just like, this is amazing. Like, you know, it was super sort of like into it and uh, I just ended up hanging out with him a lot and and kind of learning from him and then he eventually uh, gave me like a copy of Cubase it was like a really early Cubase and um, again like when I get into something I get pretty into it so I just went home and I installed it and I literally just like I'm still like trying to figure everything out like it's I'm <laughs> it started then and it hasn't actually stopped yet um, but yeah, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up, the three of us were in, we, we wrote a lot of music and recorded. We were like really obsessed with recording. We didn't really play a lot of like live shows or any live shows, <laughs> to be honest. We just like recorded mm-hmm. stuff, wrote songs. Uh, yeah. In, in my parents' basement or his garage or something. And, um, I learned like so much during that period in my life because I was just trying yeah. to figure shit out, you know? Just that sandbox, like it's like you'll you as adults now, it's almost like uh, you'll never get that amount of time again to just like completely dive oh, yeah. into something and not have to worry about like you know whatever else is going on in your life, like paying rent or making mortgage payments or or family or anything like that. It's like when you're that age, you could just you know as long as you go to school, I guess you could just. Yeah. dive so deep into stuff and and that's when you you that's so formative right yeah so cool um so you guys were making this music with the intent of like releasing it trying to get a record deal just playing it for your friends what what was sort of driving you or was it just the music itself you well, were just like psyched to try out the next sound or whatever what was driving me was the recording like i wanted to always mm. figure out how to make stuff better I would listen to records and, you know, wonder how they did something. And there was no YouTube or anything like, you know, now it's pretty awesome. You can be like, how did that guy do that? And then there's like 50 like interviews of him on YouTube telling you exactly how he did it or whatever. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. cool. But yeah, back, um, back in the day or whatever. Um, yeah, you would just try to figure it out. So the thing that kept me going was just, I wanted to always, uh, try to do that. So I'm not totally sure, like they were always, uh, recording music and, and I guess they were putting it out and stuff. But, um, my main focus was just always trying to make it sound as good as it can sound and learning and, 
And uh, I was just always chasing that stuff. And yeah, like I said, I was pretty obsessed with it. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't really talk to people for like a few years, but I think you gotta, <laughs> I think you gotta do that in order to get good at something, you know? So I kind of, I kind of vanished. I think we're all in that boat. Yeah. yeah I kind of vanished from like existence as far as my friends were concerned in, uh, in the last couple of years of high school, especially because I was just in the basement yeah. figuring it out. So did you know who was mixing the records that you loved? Like who were some of your favorite bands or records at that time? And did you, were you looking in the CD jacket being like, who did, who engineered this? Who mixed this? Try to figure out who they were and what they were doing. Yep. Yeah, I would always. So I had a pretty like wide um, sort of taste. Um, so I was really into, you know, uh, pretty cliche, I guess, but the Beatles, because um, they obviously had a huge yeah, impact on recording. So yeah, I was I was super into all that stuff. And there was also a lot of information on them. So that was really cool. Uh, and then more recent stuff, like I was, I was super into uh, Nine Inch Nails, but mainly like the production side of Nine Inch Nails. Like I just thought that uh, Trent was like a, like a crazy genius and, uh, and all the people that he worked mm. with. And then also, um, yeah, there were a few guys like um, Jerry Finn. If you know Jerry, Jerry Finn, he produced a lot of like the pop punk stuff back in the day, like Blink-182, okay. Green Day, MXPX. Like he sort of created that sound. And um, he unfortunately passed, passed away from a heart attack, I think like 10 years ago. But anyways, uh, yeah, he was, he was like, uh, amazing too. So the, so I would just listen to these records. Yeah. I read the jackets all the time. Um, and again, just try to figure stuff out. Like there wasn't a ton of information, like I said before. So if you were really into, uh, you know, like Tom Lord algae as a mixing engineer, there wasn't that much that you could do about it other than go and listen to other mixes that he had done. You know, there wasn't like a seminar mm. online or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I would just listen to stuff that I thought sounded really great and then kind of try to figure out how they did it. And were they, so there were really weren't any resources. Were, were there any like forums online, like old school forums or anything like that that you were using to try and figure stuff out? Uh, no, I can't remember now. Nothing, nothing like in particular that I kept going back to. I did have, I had a couple books, yeah. like I had a book called like the modern, modern recording techniques. I think it's called, it's like a staple kind of, if you go to mm. like music, if you go to like school for engineering, they'll probably give you that book. Uh, so yeah, I have a copy. Of yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. that, like I definitely read that a lot. Like my version of that book has like sticky notes and shit and like highlights. Like there's, it's just like a disaster. Cause I was sort of, uh, that was like, yeah, the one place where you could really go to, to be like, okay, how do you mic what, like whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there were, I think, uh, there were some forums back then too, that I probably checked out, but, um, and there were, uh, as well, like every once in a while, a band would have like a studio DVD that I would just like become obsessed mm. with, you know, like if anything were like a band would show like any footage of them in the studio, I was just like on it. So, um, so yeah. And Nine Inch Nails, I think had some stuff like that too. And I remember I was into a band called Saves the Day and they had put out a, a mm-hmm. like a, it like came with their CD. It was like a little bit of studio footage of them recording the album. And I was just, yeah, I was pretty into it. Yeah. Uh, were your parents musical? Who got you into sort of listening to bands like this? Yeah, it was definitely my dad. Uh, he's not 
he was um still is like a massive music fan like he knows so much about all kinds of music all genres he had a like a huge collection of cds and vinyl and all this stuff and and we always had like a good sounding hi-fi system or whatever in the house so he was always listening to stuff and um yeah definitely came through him um he's also like a he was a very talented piano player but again this was all just sort of pretty casual for him he's like an accountant by day or whatever mm. <laughs> so but yeah he was really into that so we grew up with lots of music always playing in the house and him playing piano and me and my sister both played piano and um my parents were like so ridiculously cool about everything too like when i uh, you know, like as time went on, I had built a studio in my basement. I had like bands coming over, all this stuff. It was so loud, like upstairs. And my mom would just be like fine with it. Like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy now thinking about it. There'd be just like, <laughs> like we weren't in the garage or something. We were downstairs in like a regular house. So she'd be like trying to watch, you know, something on TV. And there'd just be like a 412 like Marshall cab with a guy drumming just like going for it for yeah for like six hours <laughs> so yeah yeah um but yeah i like there's their support in that in that aspect was like huge because it really just gave me they were never like really nagging me to to stop making noise or anything like that so that was pretty awesome i feel like we had very very similar upbringings in that in in these respects because i remember the same thing man band practice was always at my house and yeah. like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy like think about it now it's like how would i tolerate i can't even tolerate the you know the the dog barking in the apartment below us <laughs> or whatever you know what i mean like how do you, yeah how they, i know man um how did they put up with that but so when um when you're in high school did you have um, – was there a great music program at your school? Was there any sort of mentorship there that really was driving you towards this as well? Uh, no, actually, there wasn't. Um, no, nothing nothing really from high school. I was um, – I think I talked to, like, a counselor there or something one time when they, like, ask you what you want to do or whatever. And I think I told them oh, – yeah. I think I told them what I was into, and they um, – I don't recall them giving me any any, like – super useful information about it but yeah no i was it was just like me i was determined to figure all this stuff out and and go somewhere with it um and like the group of people around me like i said the, you know a couple friends that were also super into it and um yeah i just fixated on it and just kept going mm-hmm. yeah so and so i imagine your your parents were pretty pretty cool about you wanting to go to uh post-secondary for recording arts and you ended up going to toronto film school which i i'm not actually uh, yeah i don't know if i know where that is yeah i don't even remember how that happened but so basically i wanted to i think if it was left up to me i probably would have not gone to school but uh, my parents really Mm -hmm. like you know like every parent like it totally makes sense they wanted me to like do something like they didn't just want you know, they thought it was cool that I was into that stuff, but they're not thinking like that it's necessarily going to like work out or whatever. So, um, they, they wanted me to, so, so anyway, so I think I, I'm not sure how it came up, but I might've suggested that I go to school for it just to kind of like make them feel more comfortable. And obviously it would benefit me as well. So, um, Toronto film school, I have no idea how I came to the conclusion to go to that school. 
because uh, there were other schools now when I look back at the time that would have probably made a bit more sense uh, for me to go to. But they had a recording arts. So it was it was um, it was at the CBC building. I don't think it's there anymore, but that's where it was when I went there. OK. And they had a recording arts program, which they also don't have anymore. They got rid of it like 10 years ago or something. So, yeah, so I went to school there. Um, I actually didn't stay the whole time because I I just found uh, that it wasn't, I wasn't like getting a ton out of it. It wasn't like some of these other schools that I see now where they have like all this amazing equipment and these super experienced um, teachers and all this stuff. Like it was a, it was cool, but it didn't, I felt at the time that I needed to get into a studio. So that was when I started messaging studios in Toronto to try to get like an internship. And I, inv- I, I eventually got, I got uh, an internship at Cherry Beach first. And I did a few sessions there with Anam, who's still the main guy there. And um, yeah, and then I got, I got in at phase one. Um, I went in for like a meeting with Barry who used to own phase one and, and he, we, we had a little chat and I guess he probably saw my like enthusiasm and stuff about everything. And, um, yeah, he told me that, um, that I could come in the, the following like Monday or something like that. And, uh, so that's what I did. So I actually left the school that I was at, uh, and I went and started interning at phase one. Awesome. And, and so for people listening, like I, I imagine, a good a good amount of people out there want to pursue recording as a career or get in get an internship at a studio and it's like it's not an easy thing to do um it, was there a certain approach that you had at the time to contacting these places was there was there anything that you were sort of like i need to make an impression or i need to uh, any tips i guess i is i'm what i'm asking for people who are looking to get into that cuz i know you can sort of you know you can hit a, a bunch of different studios with the same email and probably not hear back at all, right? So it's it's like, yeah. Was there any approach that you took that that worked out well for you? Um, I think first of all, it was a little bit different at the time. I know I think it's harder now to get internships because people don't um, offer them as much. Plus, places like Metalworks have schools where they like sort of that's where they get their interns from and, and stuff like that. But I see. Yeah, but at the time, um, I think I reached out. I didn't do like um, like a copy and paste email. I remember I, I didn't do that, and I I um, so I specifically emailed each of these places, and um, I had I think I emailed them multiple times. Like if they ignored me, I just emailed them again. I think I'm pretty sure that's what I did, and I also included some stuff that I had worked on because, like I said, I had been doing this by that point for like four years or something, or yeah like four years solid. So I had stuff that I had recorded that, uh, you know, sounded pretty decent. And, um, yeah. And then when I got, when I got into the one to, when I got in with Barry, when I went there, I was just like, uh, I was super enthusiastic about the whole thing. Like I, I, you know, I really wanted it. So maybe, maybe he picked up on that. I'm not sure, but, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm super glad he did, you know, like huge thanks to Barry because that sort of started me on the next chapter. Yeah, it, it, it's such a it's such a huge part of, yeah, like, you know, forging new minds in this industry. You know, some of these these big studios uh, offering that that experience to people like yourself. It's like, look at what happened. Now you've got your own place, you know, and, and you're really, really doing it. So, uh 
I think it's super important and awesome that the that these studios are offering that. Um, yep. Would it have been probably would have been like unpaid? Like, did, did did you find that you were sort of super involved in what was going on, or was it more just sort of hang out and hang out, try not to get in anybody's way, kind of kind of thing? Yeah, it was pretty typical of what you kind of hear. I um I started out just cleaning stuff yeah well first of all yes it was unpaid i don't know if it's still like that i thought i I feel like i've heard recently that uh the internships might be paid i'm not sure but anyways yeah it was unpaid um i cleaned a lot like phase one had a lot of sessions at the time they had three studios and they they always had people like every day um you know at least probably like two of the studios would have people in them so there was a lot of like cleaning to be done in in the lounges and in the kitchen and and making sure there was like coffee and they had like cappuccino maker and you had to like just make make sure everything was kind of working or whatever. So I did that and then and then you would you would try to like help when you could. So maybe um, in the beginning you would help uh, before anybody was there. So like I would try to help tear down the sessions or something after a session was over or I would always offer to like when you're doing an internship your best friends are the assistant engineers because um, they're the ones who are going to like you're going to make their lives easier so so I would just always ask the assistants if they needed help um, and yeah so that would start it off just with tearing helping them tear down stuff um, you know set up stuff whatever you know asking questions all kind of stuff like you just have to seem like you're super interested in it while still making sure you're like valuable to them. So be helpful. Don't Mm. get in the way. Uh, and yeah, just like make coffee or whatever. (laughs) Just try. (laughs) It's weird. Like you gotta, and it's a fine line to walk where you, you, you know, don't want to get in anybody's way. Yeah. And were you happy to do that? Like the cleaning work, getting coffees, were you just kind of like, this is what I got to do to get where I want to get to? Or were you kind of like, you know, I can't wait till I'm not doing this anymore? Like, no, man, I was cool with it. Like I said, you know, like I used to try to find anything. So I would watch these like bands, DVDs or whatever, where they're making records. Well, suddenly I was like in that. So I was fine. Yeah, like, right, yeah. I'd like bring you a coffee because I like get you a coffee. I'd like look and see like what you were doing. So um, yeah, yeah. Just and just being around that energy, you know, like if like that's how you get somewhere. You hang out with the people who like are doing what you want to do, and just like figure mm-hmm. out how to be there. So I was yep. totally fine uh, doing whatever. It was fine by me to clean a toilet or or uh, whatever it is they, they needed me to do. And were you commuting in from Ajax at this point? Uh, was it like a five-day-a-week commitment, or what, what were your hours like? Yeah, I was, um, it was, gosh, no, it was more than, I'm trying to remember now. Um, I guess it was technically five days a week, but I would go in a lot of the time, like every day, I think. Um, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I commuted from Ajax to, to there. It was like a 40-minute drive or something like that. So I was just living at my parents' house still. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was upset. Like I would stay as long as they would let me stay. There were some days when I got there and left like like way later. I think one time I got there in the morning and left like the next morning. Um, I remember doing that. I think more than once because they're, um, wow. yeah, we like a session went, like in a situation like that, a session would go really late 
and then um, and then you'd have to tear everything down, and then you set up for the next session, and then the next guy would come in, the new assistant or whatever, and, and um, yeah, you might hang out for a little bit. Depends how much gas you got left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any memories or experiences there that really made an impression on you or stick out even now where you're like, in the, you know, I saw this person doing this and it changed everything for me or somebody gave you some advice and you were like, wow, like that, okay, this is how I'm supposed to be doing things. This is what the pros do. Was there any sort of moment like that or was it more of just like a uh, the, the cumulative time spent there sort of adding up to, to a good experience? Yeah, I think there were a a lot of little moments like that all over the place. Um, There wasn't like one super big moment in particular that kind of like changed everything. Um, But yeah, just being around those people uh, and seeing how it was all done, you know, um, that was Mm -hmm. it. Like it was just being in that environment forever. And yeah, a little piece by piece, just picking up on lots of stuff, working with different kinds of people, uh, different kinds of music like it was all kinds of music it wasn't uh and at the time you know when you're that age you kind of like have the stuff that you're into so mm-hmm. it was actually cool like i you know there was like um i remember this one time i, I assisted on um a tango record which was pretty awesome it was like all these guys i think they were from argentina and um yeah it was amazing they were all playing uh, like you know like violins and and um i think they're called bandonians they're like kind of like uh accordion and um okay. yeah just like just seeing how it's all done having an appreciation for like people who are great at what they do um mm-hmm. yeah so i think just just being just being in it every day was super invaluable to me and uh i learned to I learned a ridiculous amount in that time of my life. Yeah, and mu- much, much more so than you would attribute to to going to school. Would you say? Yeah. Again, I don't want to like knock on schools at all. I can't. Like, I didn't go. Um, you know, I didn't even finish, and I didn't go to to these schools that most people go to. I would say, like in general, though, you know, the real life situation is probably you're probably gonna learn a bit more, but you do need that foundation. So. Not everybody is going to necessarily like I had a little I kind of had some foundation already just because I was super into it for for a pretty long time before I went there. Um, But if you're just coming at it like pretty fresh, then you probably need this. You probably need to go to the school for sure. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting that, yeah, you got all of your foundational stuff in the quote unquote real world. Like you were figuring it out for yourself. You were recording bands in your area. You were just trying to do stuff. And then. You went to school and you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. And then, you know, school, I mean, not the career. And then you go to phase one and it's more, you know, real world, real world. And now it's 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 really like, it's just, it's cool to see that. And everybody's experience is going to be different and you can never give, you know, 100% correct advice that's going to apply exactly. to everybody. But it's, it's just, it's great to get that perspective um, and see and i think that would validate people out there who are just like i'm just i'm really having a good time i feel like i'm really getting places just grinding it out myself and trying to do it myself it's like yeah you can do that you don't have to you don't have to get way into debt and go to school to to have a to have a shot at this career you know it's going to work for some and and for others it's going to work um yeah. in a different way yeah. so you eventually sort of graduated to assistant engineer at phase 1 did you did you what, what was the first session do you remember where you were actually sort of work in the board uh if if you if you were 
at that place. Yeah, so that uh, I never actually became an assistant at Phase One. That was interesting. So okay. I yeah, so I was interning there for for a while, and then there wasn't. I mean, in order to become like an assistant to somebody, kind of has to leave. Um, uh, so nobody was really planning on leaving. Um, anyways, so I actually split from Phase after a while, and I went back to my basement or whatever. And I started, you know, I took all the knowledge that I had gained from there and, you know, I had met some people and on all this stuff. And I started doing what I was doing uh, now again back out of the the basement and doing it at a higher level. And then I met Tim, who you're probably going to get to eventually, but he kind of came through phase um through a mutual friend of ours who was who was the receptionist at phase and she she called me and said that this guy who I knew from sessions at phase was looking for somebody to help him uh, put like put together a project studio at his house, and he didn't want to do it himself or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so I I I, uh, I started to help him do that, and then from there on was like the next chapter in in the story. Right. Yeah. So, talk to us about Tim. Where where it is? What is his background? Uh, obviously, you came to meet him through your connections at Phase One, but when he uh, what did you know about him and, and what was his sort of specialty? Yeah, so I didn't know a, a ton about Tim. Um, he was working at Phase One on a project for a country artist named Alex J. Robinson, who was a, she's a great country singer. She kind of uh, got got out of it all um, a few years back. But um, that, so that was, I met him there when he was doing those sessions. And then I had known a little bit about his past. He had, he had worked a lot with Alanis Morissette on, on, on like three records with her he was co-producer and also played like a bunch of stuff on them and um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's basically i knew that he had like an alanis thing and i knew that he was working with alex j robinson at the studio and i think i'd even talked to him for like five minutes or something in this just like i talked to everybody if they would come up to the front or something so i didn't know who he was so yeah so he he asked our, our mutual friend uh, I guess if she maybe knew somebody who could help him or whatever. And then she said, like, she knows this guy and she gave me a call. And then I think I like uh, emailed him or something. And he was like, sure, man, come on to my, st- come down to my like apartment and we'll just talk or whatever. So I went to his apartment and uh, he told me what he wanted to do. He just wanted to have like a, he was starting he Okay. So Tim had owned tattoo in Toronto, tattoo sound and music which is still there. It's like mm-hmm. a studio at on Eastern Avenue. And uh, he had recently sold it, I think, like a year before. So he previously had a studio where he would work out of all the time. And for whatever reason, now he had sold it and he basically didn't have anything in that moment. So he was, start, he was starting some new projects and he wanted to just sort of do the pre-pro or whatever, like out of his apartment in Toronto. And so I helped him uh, get some gear. Like, you know, we, I got him like an Apogee interface and computer and, uh, like some mics and an 1176 and like all this sort of stuff that he could use to do like really good demos or pre-pro. And then, um, yeah, again, like we didn't, you know, he didn't know like anything about me. And I think he, he, he might've asked me if I could show him something that I've worked on or maybe I don't remember how that part happened actually. But one way or the other, he, he basically, once, once it was all set up, he was like, I don't know how to use this stuff, by the way. So he, like, he wasn't going to be like operating it himself. So he asked me if I wanted to come in and, and help him start this project with this artist. So I was like, all right. So um, it was this, uh, it was, um, 
Her name's Andrea Ramelow. And she's a, she's a great artist. She's still active now. Um, you can find her stuff online. Um, so she came in and we started pre-production on her new album. And um, it literally just like never stopped. He was like, he was like, okay, do you want to like come to the studio? We record the actual shit. And I was like, sure. And then I just like ended up engineering it and then ended up mixing it and just ended up doing the whole project with him. And I guess we just had like a good energy together. Like we worked really well together. And um, we just kept going and we're still, you know, we haven't stopped. We're just going until one of us like hates the other one or something. <laughs> so did you guys really hit it off like from the get go? As soon as you met him at his place for the first time, were you like, oh, yeah, I really like this guy. Or you could tell he was really vibing off of you. Or like, was there, did you feel that sort of right from the get go? Um, yeah, I like right away. I liked him. He's a he's a really interesting guy. Um, but yeah, right away. I just, I liked, I liked the way he approached everything. Um, he put like so much faith in me, which looking back on it is kind of interesting because he didn't know anything about me. He was literally, I guess, just trusting his gut or whatever. And cause he had like, mm-hmm. he had people lined up to work on that pro- project in particular. Like, uh, I think he had a guy who set up to mix it and stuff and he just kept on going with me for, for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, we, we always got along. I mean, we, we still to this day have like long conversations about music and uh, just we're both like fans of music. He's like a music encyclopedia. It's ridiculous uh, the amount of knowledge he has. We always got along really well. And obviously I was learning a ton of stuff from him. And I think he, you know, I think he liked working with uh, with somebody like me because I was like, you know, he was much older than me. He's like, he's like over 30 years older than me. So he was probably picking up on my enthusiasm and my like like I was just really into it and he you know we were at opposite ends of our careers like he was kind of cool with whatever and I was like wanting to learn everything so I guess he saw an opportunity there to kind of you know nurture nurture me or whatever so um Mm -hmm. yeah it would just it ended up being a great relationship and and it still is and yeah we still do stuff together so that mutual friend, you uh, you probably owe her a uh, case of beer or something, yeah, right? Yeah, her name was her name is Dragisa, <laughs> and she's she's awesome too. She's a she's a super talented uh, pianist. Yeah, I definitely owe her owe her something. So why do you think? Uh, obviously, it was the right call because the the relationship has worked out so well between Tim and yourself. Why do you think that your name was the name that she gave him when he said, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody." It's a good question. I mean. We knew each other really well because um, I was kind of always talking to her at the front and um, I was really, I mean, I think she just knew my enthusiasm about everything that I was uh, really into, into like gear. I think at the time I was buying a lot of gear for myself in my studio. So maybe she, maybe that's why I popped into her head because she knew Mm -hmm. that I was kind of like doing this stuff for myself because remember the initial thing was that he wanted gear for his studio so right um right yeah so i mean yeah i'd have to ask her that question i don't know maybe maybe it was just a a complete fluke and she panicked and was like i was the only person who came to mind but whatever maybe i mean obviously you made an impression such that she would want to she would want to make that recommendation it's just it's it's just so cool how Little moments like that that maybe that maybe to her that was just like oh yeah, I, I, yeah. Adam's pretty good at that stuff I think it's like feels like a 
you know, or maybe to her it was like, oh, I, I think Adam would be really great for this. I'm going to make sure that I recommend it. You never know how these moments happen, but it's just like it's yeah. so cool to look back and see the – the ripple effect of, of all that, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's it's the reason why like one of the most important things is to is to sort of remain open minded with everything, you know, because you never know uh, where stuff's going to go. So you got you got to really just trust your gut and also nurture like every relationship that you have. Don't like burn any bridges or whatever because you never know like where stuff is going to come from, and it could come like years later. So just you know, be a cool person. And love love what it is that you do, and and work hard, and and things should happen. Very well said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and you know, don't write anybody off as you know. I think it's easy mentally to get into. You're in a situation you're like, okay, well, this these are the couple of people that are important. These are the people I need to make an impression on. These other people aren't as important it's easy to do that in yep. in my head and anyways which is not something i'm proud of but i'm just to be forth forthright it's like it's easy to do that in your head but i think you're absolutely right it's like every single person that you interact with or, or that you have an opportunity to sort of build a little bit of a relationship with it's like th- those are all so important and they all add up in different ways to to where you find yourself now um yep exactly so so you're doing these sessions with Tim. You guys are hitting it off. Um, you're becoming a great team. Uh, at what point does Villa come into the picture as a project that you guys wanted to work on together? So that was like super organic. Um, so we originally built this little studio in his apartment. And then just as time went on, we would start getting the things that we um, that we were sort of missing, which is what we literally are like still doing to this day. So we had like a few pieces of gear, and then you know maybe he wanted uh, to be able to record uh, whatever like uh, something else. So we had to get like a different microphone or a or a new preamp or whatever. So we would just get that thing, and then we did that like for a few years and we ended up with like a pretty solid collection of gear and then we needed a bigger place to put it all because his apartment wasn't going to work plus he got evicted which was like a whole other story so <laughs> yeah so so then we got a studio at front and spadina which in this um it's a production place called a wanted sound and picture it's mainly like post-production rooms like it's the whole building i think is is production studios so we rented this little room there it was probably about the size of the room i'm in right now um isn't super big and uh we set up all the gear there and then we just kept on working with artists and producing stuff and then again we upgraded again to another bigger room in that building and we didn't really have like i don't think either of us were like yeah we're gonna build a studio or whatever like we were just making music with artists and we just were getting what we need out of needed out of like the necessity of it we didn't want to have to always rely on going to bigger studios to get what we needed so um eventually it got to a point it was actually Tim's idea where he suggested that we that he was going to move to Collingwood like regardless because he was kind of done. He was like retired sort of and he wanted to get out of the city and all this stuff. So he was like, hey, man, I'm moving to Collingwood. You can do whatever you want. He was like, basically, you can stay in Toronto. You can keep this room that we have here. Do your own projects. I'll like I'll be involved sometimes or whatever. You know, and then he's like, or, you know, it might be a cool idea to move up to Collingwood because we could keep growing 
get a bigger space because at that point it was like money was becoming a factor because uh with the rents like you couldn't rent a room that was decent enough without paying like a crazy amount of money um in toronto Mm. so so yeah so we moved up i mean i i thought about it for a little bit and i was like you know i'm just gonna trust my gut i'm gonna move up to collingwood which seemed kind of crazy at the time but I liked the idea of growing the business. So we moved up to Collingwood. Uh, and then it turned out that Collingwood was actually pretty expensive. So we we put, we put ended up putting the studio in Tim's house, for a, a back in his house for a while. And um, and we did a lot of projects out of his house. It was in his basement, which was, you know, it was probably like 1,500 square feet. And we produced a lot of stuff out of his house for like two years, I think. And then, mm. and then I found this place that we're in now. Um, it's like a big old farmhouse used to be a general store back in uh like the 1800s uh it was like a general store for like 100 years and um wow yeah and i bought it with my wife ashley was my girlfriend at the time and we sort of took over the whole main floor with the studio and then naturally you know all of a sudden we had like this giant space and we needed more you know we needed to fill it up so we started accumulating more and more gear Again, based on like everything we wanted, I guess at that point in time, I think it was when we got the house that it was like, okay, we're actually making a studio and we're going to, you know, we're going to like sort of play that game. Like we're going to be studio owners. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2014. That's where we are. That's where we're currently at right now. So you and Ashley live above the studio on the upper floor, I think is what you told me when I was over there. Yeah. Yeah. So when we bought this place, it was um, the main floor, which is where the studio is, was solid like whoever had owned it previously put like a ton of money into making it nice but the upstairs Mm. was like still stuck in like the 1800s it was all like lath and plaster super old windows like drafty like it was cold up there and stuff so we basically like renovated the whole thing upstairs and we and we made it into a house so upstairs is like completely separate from downstairs it's it's basically a bungalow, like on top of the studio. That's incredible. Yeah, so that's where I live with my uh, with my wife and my daughter Victoria, who is only about thirteen weeks old. And uh, oh, congratulations! Thanks, man. <laughs> it's pretty pretty yeah. awesome. And yeah, and we have our our dog Louie and a couple cats. So it's like a bit of a madhouse, but it's fun. How's the noise transfer from the studio to upstairs? Did you really soundproof the heck out of it? Yeah, we didn't. Like we looked into that a lot. Um, we we the this the sound is actually not too crazy because the house is like the ceilings are really tall and then the floor cavity like between the next floor and the ceiling on the main floor is pretty solid. And then also it's just like a really old house, so everything's like built so crazy. Uh, you know, like the the floors mm. are like an inch and a half thick or something, like right. of just solid like oak. So yeah, the noise transfer is actually like not crazy unless um, unless you're tracking like drums. Then obviously you can hear that upstairs. But the most of the, like for most of the stuff that I do, it's completely fine. She has like it's like no problem. It's really just drums, and even then you can still have a regular conversation upstairs. It's nothing crazy. Man, perfect. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked out. So uh, if you don't if you don't mind me asking, if if you do, we can cut this part out. But uh, going back to when you were working with. Tim on these projects out of his place and like was this paid work for you or was this like I'm just doing this because I want to kind of thing how, how did that sort of work if, if you yeah. can get into that should a little have, bit yeah I should have mentioned that um yeah it was it was a hundred percent paid when I first started working like collect, like getting his gear for him he basically hired me like I said to put his studio together for him I have no idea what 
he paid me, but um, whatever it was, it was fine at the time. <laughs> he uh, mm-hmm. he he yeah, probably yeah. just like offered it to me, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like I, you know, if he had if he yeah. had said anything, I'd probably been like, yeah, that's cool. Like I just wanted to do it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, no, like uh, the first thing we did was uh, yeah, it was Andrea Ramelo, and that was like. Uh, it was like a label project. She had, uh, it was all funded and she had uh, like a factor thing and all this stuff. So um, we just sorted out whatever I was comfortable with, which to be honest was like fucking anything, but I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was always, it was always paid, paid gigs um, with, with Tim for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so as you moved into that, Toronto space and then to Collingwood and then finally to Villa. It was always, it always felt like you were sort of a, uh, above water as a business. And, and it was, I mean, obviously got you to a point where you, you felt like you could afford to, uh, to buy a place. Right. So it was sort of, it was sort of growing at a, at a rate that, that made sense, I, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was at some point where it became, and I don't know, like I can't pinpoint when it was, where it became, less that I worked for Tim and more of we were a partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, he wasn't like paying me for stuff. It was just um, we would have a budget for the thing and we'd figure out what each of us was going to get or whatever. Um, And then, Yeah. yeah, when we moved up to Collingwood, that took like a little while to figure that out. I actually lived in his house for uh, like about six months just because I did like we moved here, we didn't really have anything to work on at the time for a few months. We were just setting up the studio, so yeah, the income wasn't wasn't really a wasn't really happening that much then. But he he was super kind and awesome to let me just crash in his like guest bedroom for a few months while we sort of got back on our feet and um, yeah, and then we just got going again. And I got uh, eventually I, I moved. Yeah. I got like an apartment and stuff. In, in Collingwood and uh, yeah. yeah and where where were the majority of your clients coming from would you say what what and uh, were they like a lot of label stuff was it a lot were you doing like a lot of outreach on your own um, to to bring people in how were you sort of finding those gigs yeah so a lot of the, in the beginning a lot of it was through Tim Tim kind of attracted his own gigs just from his previous lifelong career or whatever. So in the beginning, uh, it was, it was pretty much always like stuff where people were coming to Tim cause they wanted him to produce their stuff or write it or, or like whatever they wanted him to work on it. And they were from all over the place. Like we did, a like literally from all over, we did some records with a couple people from Argentina and they actually like flew over and, and stayed in Collingwood, which was funny because like none they had never seen snow and all this stuff. It was funny. Um, so that was a good mm-hmm. time. And uh, yeah, we did some stuff with a lot of people from Toronto and then sometimes from like, um, you know, like in the States and stuff, people would come up and yeah. So um, yeah, in the beginning it was mostly him. And then I just started to also build my own sort of repertoire or whatever, like people that I would, uh, that would sort of frequently come back to me and stuff. Nice. Yeah, I read also that you do uh, TV work and and sort of commercial stuff like that. Is that still something that you're you're doing actively at Villa? Yeah, yeah. I just finished um, doing some some ADR for a new CBC TV show, um, or it's gonna. I think yeah, I think it's on CBC. It's a show called Feudal, which is I think coming out in the fall 
I think it's the fall, unless it might have been pushed. But uh, yeah, there was um, uh, an actor who just lives in Creamore here, actually, who uh, had to that she's normally in in LA but because of the covid thing she moved back here so i was doing the adr for that but uh yeah like tim's tim's background again uh, was in commercial stuff for like the last 15 years of his career or something like that so um mm. so when i first started working with him too some of the stuff we would do was like commercials and stuff for like uh, swish la or like tim horton's canadian tire like we would work on some random stuff like that and uh mm. And anyway, yeah, so I, I've done a, a bunch of stuff like that, too. And I do a lot of work for this company in New York uh, called Nomi Productions. And um, yeah, we make a lot of like digital ads for stuff like that you see before YouTube videos where you like want to break your computer. Yeah, I make a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Matt O'Rourke, of course, who we had on the show uh, seven episodes ago or so. Yeah. Uh, how did Matt come to to work with you guys and, and what would you, how is the, uh, your relationship with Matt, like business wise, like how, how do you guys sort of operate now? Yeah. So Matt, he was originally, so, so Tim and I had worked with Shawnee. I think we started working with Shawnee in 2012 and we had done a bunch of stuff with her. And then Matt was actually in Shawnee's live band. And, uh, I don't even totally remember how it all happened, but at one point in time, Shawnee, I guess, offered, uh, Matt the opportunity to come to the studio one day and and work on something with us uh, with just me her and Matt and I I can't recall what song that was but and I didn't have any expectations I mean all I knew was that he was her uh, like drummer so I was like all right let's see what's up and um, so yeah Matt came and it was like right away it was great I mean Matt's super talented plays tons of stuff as you know uh, he has a great sensibility for like production and and songwriting and like everything and I think right away just the three of us sort of worked together really well and so we just kept going with it and uh, we did a bunch of stuff and then and then I had some projects come up for uh, personally where every once in a while I like like I'll call on different musicians like all the time to to help me out with different projects depending on what I need yeah Matt just popped into mind for this one project in particular and I got him to come in on it and he ended up uh, he produced it and played a bunch of stuff on it and it was a great it was a great experience and every you know it was uh, successful and everything and so I just kept doing it whenever there was another opportunity that seemed like matt was gonna be the right guy i just gave him a call and you know he's super dependable gets he gets it done always has uh, good work he's everybody loves him just keep going with something if it works right and we we get along super well so it's, exactly. it's a great working relationship yeah just that theme again of just like yeah just getting together with somebody it's like all right this 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 is great this is working great and then it's just like let's keep doing it it's not like yeah. a there's not a whole lot of like um you know from the get go being like all right well this is how we're going to operate and this is this is how we're going to be as a business it's just kind of the music industry is so like fun and interesting because things sort of develop organically and and yeah. a lot of it is kind of by feel and i think a lot of people and a lot of other <laughs> you know vocations are kind of like whoa you guys do this that way and it's like well yeah i mean this is just what works a lot of the time and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody and really knows what they're I don't doing. know how to explain it other than that, but it's it's just the way things tend yeah. to go, right? Yep. You can't have too many expectations, you know. 
just figure out yeah. what works and then and then like run with it. Yeah, that's, that's what I that's do. That's a good least. way of putting it too. Yeah, I would love to do like some kind of a deep dive with you, like on on mixing technique, recording technique. If you'd be sure. into it, I think it would have to be on a different episode because we just go <laughs> so so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, no problem, man. But I'd love to get you back on to. Uh, to to do that if if you'd be willing and thank you so much for for the time you've given us uh today yeah no problem at all it was my pleasure thanks for inviting me on the show it's always fun to to talk about this yeah so if if people want to reach out and talk to you about doing a recording project coming over to villa what's what's the best way for them to do that yeah they could just shoot me an email Uh, my email address is adam at villasound.ca or um, you can message me on any of the social media things. I have like Instagram and all that stuff. And yeah, would love to would love to chat to anybody about any project they have and see if I can help. Perfect. We're gonna play a tune that on this show we try to play uh, music every week from uh, from an independent artist or uh, a local artist or just music that we really like. We're gonna we're gonna play something from Lance Dobinson that was recorded at Villa. I, I played a bit of acoustic on it and there was a lot of great players on that session. Can you can you just give folks like a just an uh, overall outline of like how that went down and, and what uh, what that it was like to make that project? Yeah. So Lance um, Lance is a local musician. Uh, he lives in Wasaga, which is just like twenty minutes from here. And he he reached out to me a few years ago to help him produce some songs, um, uh, which we did. And then uh, that was with, I got Matt involved on that again, Matt O'Rourke. And uh, so the three of us did that together. And then he, you know, this time he came back and he wanted to sort of step it up a little bit. So we we called on some bigger guys. Like we got uh, got you to play on it, uh, Scott Galloway uh, on keys, Shane Goose played like fiddle, uh, Doug Johnson again played pedal steel and, um, yeah. And I think it turned out, it turned out pretty awesome. It, it's always fun when you can sort of, uh, get a bunch of people involved, uh, on something and you're not just dealing with your own, you know, ideas all the time. But, uh, yeah, I think it turned out pretty great. And you did a great job playing that big uh, Gibson jumbo that you love. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> that was an interesting session because we laid down the acoustic first which is not typically you would you would have the drums or you would or you would do the beds together but uh it turned out great man listening to the the uh the final product was so awesome to hear um and you of course mixed it and recorded uh all of it as well did you master as well uh no it was mastered actually by um by jason barry um who's uh oh yeah he's actually not a mastering engineer i don't think but he's uh he mastered it and uh it turned out great yeah yeah he did a good job yeah i was just gonna say you did a, a heck of a job mixing it and and uh, like i said recording with you was super easy super oh yeah relaxed yeah, yeah. you had mentioned that we recorded the acoustic first and that is an and that's unusual i think it's always tricky to like find out where you're gonna start something you know so um going from nothing to something can be tricky so I think I could, I don't even remember exactly how we came up uh, with that sort of starting point, but uh, yeah, we just wanted to get to get you in because Lance d- didn't play. D- Lance doesn't really play guitar, I don't think. So we wanted to get you into the studio and sort of s- you know suss some stuff out ahead of time, and then and then go from there. And then we got we got Matt to come in after that, and uh, yeah, just built it all up from then on. But yeah, every project starts t- totally different. You never know, like where um where you're going to start it's different every time 
Yeah. And I think it was unique to Lance's vision and Lance's workflow as well because he'd been used to, like I had done a couple of acoustic gigs, I think up to that point with Lance, just he and I, and that's sort of where the songs were yep. for him. So I think he wanted to kind of start from there and then and then build it, which makes total sense given that given that context. So obviously, you know, your 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 sounds are amazing. Your mixing is sound, sounds really really great, and then the tracks the tracks are awesome. And just after going into that studio, I was like to to my guys. I mean, it's 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 a bit of a a drive for us. But I was like, man, we should. <laughs> should get in here we should do some stuff here the studio yeah, is come on real you guys can sweet. stay over like uh, i said <laughs> so we would we would love to man thank you again adam so much for coming on uh really appreciate you taking the time and uh really cool just to hear the insight of of your journey and your approach to you know the industry and 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 how you've uh how you've come to to be where you are and and just looking forward to working with you in the future and, and best all the best going forward likewise with Likewise, man. Thank you so much. It was it was uh, really my pleasure, and happy to do it uh, anytime. I'll hold you to that. Then I'll hit, I'll hit you up. We'll do a we'll do like a super in depth like mixing engineering <laughs> that only like mixers and engineers will find it. <laughs> everybody else will be uh, everybody else will be passed out. But um, all right, good. man. Thanks again. Villasound.ca. Uh, you can reach out to Adam at his email address uh, or on social media. We're going to leave you with a recent release from Lance Dobinson. This is that was all part of me recorded at villa sound mixed by adam engineered by adam produced by adam uh yours truly playing a little acoustic and singing some backup vocals on this record a lot of other great players uh matt o'rourke who was on the podcast recently playing drums and uh, co-producing the track we hope you enjoy it that was all part of me by lance dobinson we'll see you next week back here worrying about things not a care in the world till the sun went down yeah that was us boys
remember My mom at the house From her home cooking meat To raising us up And she did anything Came straight from her heart 